How many of y'all were 8-bit gamers back in the Dizay? Yeah. You, Chris, did you just raise your hand? You played that game? Asteroids or Pac-Man? Or both? How many of you played some old school Pac-Man? Asteroids? How many of you go back? Atari? Anybody had Atari? Nintendo? Remember when you... Remember that? Y'all remember that? Man, it won't work! Oh, man. How many of you have like Xbox... What number? One? How many of you have Xbox One? Okay, some of y'all need to do some like post-Christmas shopping here. Uh, PS4? The PS4. Okay. Not a lot of gamers in here now. We're a bunch of re- How many of you are retired gamers? I'm, I'm semi-retired. I'll still, I'll still kick your tail at Madden. Um, anyway, uh, we are in a series called Level Up. And, and man, I, I'm excited because I always, I always think about the new year as, as kind of a turning of a page. And so it's time to turn our page. 2014, uh, can't go back and change it. I don't know if it was good. For, mine was great, by the way. But, but either way, if it was good or if it was bad, you can't go back and change it. Some of you, you will rehearse it, and I, I don't advise that. I don't think that's a good idea. I, I, I expect, learn from it. We move on from it. But I think, man, it's 2015. It's the turn of a page, the turn of a chapter. We're starting off fresh. Your past is behind you at the moment. I don't know if you knew that. Your future is ahead of you. And here's what I know about God, is that God wants you to constantly be moving forward and moving up in life. I just know that about God. I, I, I read that somewhere. As a matter of fact, let, let, me, let me help you out real quick here. The Bible says in Psalms 1, verse 3, basically David's describing a guy, and I don't want to get all the details, but I just want to give you the gist of it. He describes a guy that's blessed, that's righteous, and he goes, that person, well, he's like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whoever's, and whose leaf does not ever wither, and whatever they do, do what? Prospers. So like God is down with the idea of you prospering. That's a good thing. God wants you to prosper in life. I don't know if you know that or not. And, and, and prosperity has gotten a really bad rap in the church because a bunch of people got goofy and weird and thought everybody needs to drive Cadillacs and Mercedes. And it, it, it got stupid. Don't get me wrong. But don't abandon the idea that God still wants you to prosper in life. Let, let's check out another one. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says this. Um, but as you excel, everybody say excel. Like God wants you to go up, like as you excel in what? In everything. Like in your faith and your speech and knowledge and earnestness and love. See that you also excel, and this was referring to giving, was to excel in the grace of giving. But like here's the idea, go back. Paul is saying, the Apostle Paul, as he's teaching people, says this, I want you to know that I want you to what? Excel. I want you to go up. I want you to, to, to level up in life. Listen to this one, John 10.10. 10. This is Jesus talking. Jesus says, and, and pick up right here, he goes, I've come. That you may have life and that you may have it more, what? Abundant, meaning like expanding. I'm just kind of laying a foundation here. That's all, that's all we're doing. Are you, you buying in with me so far? This is the big idea, the premise that we must start with, is that God actually likes you. God loves you. And that God wants to see your life prospering. Last one, Third John 1, 2. This is, again, so we're talking about David. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about the Apostle Paul. Now we find John saying this. John says, Beloved, everybody say, that's me. I'm, I'm loved. Beloved, I pray that you may what? Prosper. In, in, in what things? I mean, all, all things. And even be in hell. I want you healthy too. Just as your, your soul, like I want your soul to prosper. I don't want you to be walking around with soul damage and soul baggage and bitter and mad and upset and hang-ups. And inst- like, I, I want your soul to prosper. But I want you to prosper in what? All things. 
So I need you just to buy in this idea, and maybe you're already there, you know, but if you weren't, hopefully you're there now. Like God wants you to level up in life. And so for the next four weeks, it is very, very important that you're here because each week will build upon the next week or the previous week. So this isn't one of those ones where you can come in and be like, trust me, it just builds. And so I really want to do today is lay a foundation and redefine for you what I think success and what I think prospering, what I think living abundantly really, really means. Because if we have the wrong, if you, if you walk out of here and think, oh, well, God wants me to be a success, and you have the wrong definition of success, you're still going to go out and live less than what God has in store for you. Does that make sense so far? So let's just buy in real quick to the idea that God in life wants us to level up, to expand, to grow, to excel, to prosper. Let's pray as we begin this journey today. Father, we pray, God, that as we open up your words, as we unpack these truths and principles from your scripture, God, that you'd renew our mind. You'd change us from the inside out, God. Help us to discover. Help us to know you. God, help us to walk out of this place different than the way we walked in, living the most abundant life in you that we possibly can. Lord, that's our prayer today, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Hey, if you have your Bible, here's the deal. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to build off of this fascinating parable found in Matthew chapter 25. So if you have your Bible, you can go there. Jesus taught in parables, loved to tell stories, and I love, as a matter of fact, one of my favorite things to do is to read the parables of Jesus. And this might be, of all the parables, my favorite one. Because I've always thought that this parable is, is, is like many of them, is a microcosm of life. And, and so what it is, is a story that we'll read together and build off of for the next few weeks. And the story goes like this. Verse 14, Jesus speaks this story. He says, it's like a man going on a journey. But before he goes on his journey, he calls his servants and is entrusted, and he entrusts his wealth to them. To one guy, he gives five bags of gold. Another translation says he gives talents. To another, he gives him two talents or two bags of gold. And to another one, he gives one bag or one talent, each according to that guy's ability. And so then the guy goes on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once, put his money to work, and gained five more. Also, the the one that had two bags of gold, he gained two more. But, where you see a button in the Bible, just just look out, something's going to shift and change. But, the man who had received one talent or one bag went off, he dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. Look, I got five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you gave me two bags. Look, I gained two more. His master replied and said the same thing. He said, well done, you good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold, he came. Master, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. But look here, this is what belongs to you. And his master replied, and it's kind of harsh, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew 
that I harvest where I have not sown, that I gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have at least received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who's got ten. For whoever has, listen to this, so Jesus wraps up the parable, for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And then throw that worthless servant outside in the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. So again, this is a parable. It's a story. It's to, it's to paint a picture. It's to kind of give you a glimpse, a microcosm. Because like This is what life is like. That You need to understand that there is God in heaven who has entrusted you with certain talents, gifts, abilities, opportunity, money, whatever you want, bags of gold, talents. This is the way it's described. And he leaves and says, now I'm entrusting you with this stuff. I want you to go and to do. And God wanted them, the master wanted them to do well. He wanted them to prosper. And so one of them sets off and does. The second one sets off and does. A couple of interesting thoughts that you need to pick up on is, is number one, he said that he gave to each one according to their ability. There's a big mistake in life. In our Constitution, it says that all men are created equal. Um, that's not what the Bible would teach. The Bible doesn't teach that all men are created equal. And that's not a sad thing. That's not a bad thing. I, I, I want you to know that I'm not your worship leader. Because I have not been created equal with Joanna. Joanna sounds amazing. You wouldn't be at this church if I was your worship leader. You would leave as quickly as you possibly could. Why? Because I'm not created equal. Like I don't, have, I don't know if you know this or not. I have never played a professional sport. Do you know why? I am not created equal with other I want you to know that when I was 20 years old, I could dunk a basketball. I am white and I'm six foot, but I could dunk a basketball. One time. Don't play NBA. I'm not six foot four, 300 pounds. I'm not a lineman in the NFL. I don't, I'm not created equal. I am not able to do certain things that you are able to do. And likewise, you're not able to do certain things as I'm able to do. And so we are not all created equal. I just want you to know that. And so some people are born with a brilliant mind, the level of thinking that they can grasp, the level of IQ that they were blessed with. It's absurd. Some people think about stuff that, that I can't even begin to comprehend. Their mind is just, is just incredibly vast compared to, to, to my simple little mind. And so my point is this, is not all men are created equal, and that's not a bad thing. And so the other thing that you need to see is this, is that God doesn't expect more out of you than what he's given you. The guy with five talents made five more. He goes, that's awesome. The guy with two made two more. He goes, that's awesome. Notice this, though. The guy with five versus the guy with two, after he made two more, he still had how many? That's... Are y'all afraid to do math at church? The guy had two, and then he made two more, and so he had, yeah, y'all are smart people. And so he still, listen, he doubled, and he still had less than the five-talent guy started with. But God doesn't judge on that scale. God doesn't look at people and say, well, why didn't you do that? And why didn't you, why didn't you solve you know, world hunger? And why didn't you? He doesn't do that. God looks and says, what have you done with what I have given you? So God judges on the scale. But here, here's the big thing, I just, and there's more to it we'll get to in the next couple of weeks, is they were given a job to do, and they were judged based on how well they went and did that job. I, I want you to know something that 
I need you to redefine what success is for you. Does that make sense? Because success for you may not be the same as success for the person over here. It's not the same. It's not identical. Many times we fall into the trap of thinking, well, I'm successful if I have a certain amount of money in the bank account. Like if I could get that much money, then that would be I would have reached this level or this platform called success. Or if I if I had that title, if I had that job position, if I had that much influence, if I had that much power, if I had that much X, whatever that X is for you, that moving target, that thing that you think if I could ever get that, then I would be successful. I, I want to I help you out real quick here. You have been duped and you have believed some lies and some myths and some misconceptions about what success actually is. Because if you've adopted the world's definition of success, you are going to live a very, very unfulfilled life. You are literally going to get to the end of a rainbow somewhere and then still be unhappy because it will not be what you thought it was. And I know this is true because if you've ever dreamed so badly of getting something and then when you got it, it didn't live up to the hype, you know what I'm talking about. Because you set your eyes on something and you let the world define what success or what satisfaction or what fulfillment might be. And then when you found it, it just didn't live up. It promised so much. It delivered so little. So what is the Bible's definition of success? First, let's eradicate some bad ideas about success. Can we do that? Number one is this. is We, we just want to get rid of some of these kind of lottery mentalities. These lucky ideas about success. Many of us sit back and do that. We think, well, success is for lucky people and I just haven't been lucky enough or or or. You know, somehow if I can just get that one break, if I can just get that, then, then I'll hit the jackpot and that success flows out of that. Let, let's work through a few ideas that I want to I kind of eradicate. Number one is this, is some of us believe, and this is, I, I know this is true because people sell books by the millions and they have similar titles, the five secrets to this, the ten secrets to that. There's a secret. Does that make sense? Have you ever bought a book that had a secret in the title of it? You're like, I want, I, and you're like, I want to know the secret. Because we all want to know what we don't know, and we all want to find out what's under the rock that other people know about that I don't know about, because if I knew that thing, I might be successful. And there's got to be a secret. There's something I don't know. And that's true. There could be something you don't know, but that don't mean it's a secret. As a matter of fact, there's a book right here that's been around for thousands of years. It has a secret. Number one best-selling book of all time, number one most stolen book of all time, but it's full of the goods. Doesn't necessarily mean it's a secret, though. As a matter of fact, think, think about this in terms of Psalms chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the godly, nor stands in the past of sinners, or sits in the seat of scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates both day and night, and he shall be like... It's, but at the end of it, I, I feel like I lost y'all for a minute, he goes, Whatever he does will prosper. So Psalms 1 begins to lay a a blueprint out for like, hey, this is not no secret. It's Psalms 1. Like go to, Psalms is right in the middle. Go to chapter 1, start reading. You're going to find some incredible truths and principles about success. Go read Joshua chapter 1. Joshua is is a guy that takes over for Moses. He's supposed to lead the people of God into the promised land. And and God makes him a simple, like, like listen to this. In, In Joshua 1, it says this. It says, keep the book of the law, God's words. Always on your lips, meditate it day and night, and be careful to do everything in it then, everybody say then, then you will be prosperous and successful. He goes, there's no no secret, it's there. You might need to go discover it and learn it, but it's not a secret, it's not hidden. Does that make sense? 
It's in plain view. It's just ready for you to learn. But there is no secret to success that if I, if I just uncover this one thing, I'm going to hit jackpot. Number two is this, is that success equals hard work. Now, do not get this twisted, especially you young people. Work hard. Working hard is a virtue. God honors people that work hard. I could, I could lay that foundation, but... I've also known a lot of people who worked really, really hard, and yet I didn't look at their life and think, wow, that's a successful life. As a matter of fact, there are some people that work so hard that they fail. That they work so hard at trying to be the world's definition of success that they neglect the most important things in their life, like their wife, like their husband, like their children, like their relationship with God. So working hard, that's where we get these things, like the early bird gets the worm. And so, I mean, even think about it in these terms, like, if you've missed the mark in what you're supposed to be doing, you're, you can actually work really, really hard at the wrong thing. So working hard alone. Now, working hard is definitely a virtue, but working hard alone is not. As a matter of fact, the Bible even teaches don't just work hard, but like think, wisdom, work smart as well. Listen to this scripture. It's, it's one of those unique scriptures out of the book of Ecclesiastes. He goes, hey, if the axe is dull and the edge is unsharpened, it's going to require more strength. But skill will bring what? Yeah, yeah. So, like, don't get me wrong. God honors, and the Bible has a virtue on hard work. But don't throw out the other ideas. And so just, just saying working hard where it's going to be successful, you could actually work yourself to death. You could work yourself out of, uh, or work yourself into some other failures in life. So just hard work alone is not necessarily equaling success. Number three is this, is that success is an event. You ever met people like this, or maybe you, your mind goes here sometimes? We think that if I could just get to that one place, have that one moment, it's that, it's that one conference, that one position, that one, it's, it's an event that I need to get to in life. And if I can just get to that event, then I'll be successful. When, when actually, I, I've found this to be very, very true, is that success is not an event. Actually, success is a trajectory. I mean, you write that down. Success is not an event. Success is a trajectory. Because if you think you got to this point and this moment or this thing, and if I got there, I would be a success. Here's the reality. Some people in life are headed towards that event. But listen to me. Success is about being on an upward trajectory. Let, let, me, let me give you an example. Let's say you're working hard at leveling up in your finances. And I know people that do this. They take Financial Peace University and they, do, they set goals and they say, you know, I'm going to level up financially. And so they set goals to get out of debt and they set goals to get certain amount of money uh, as a nest egg or as an emergency fund. And then they're going to start. And so they've got, they've got this level that they're trying to attain to. Are you tracking with me so far? And, and some people would get to that level to where they say, hey, I'm now 100% debt free and I've got my uh, $2,000 oh no fund and then I've got this much three month fund. It, if you know financial peace or just good financial strategy, you might know what I'm talking about. And be like, I'm finally here now, and now I'm going to move on to this next level. And, and I'm telling you, you're on an incredible trajectory. But I know other people in life who are fools. And they're actually at the same point in life. But what you don't know is they used to be way, way up here, and they're on a downward trajectory. Like, they used to have so much more financially. They used to have so much more going on. And it's not that they've got all this and this and this. It's that they have backed up to that point. Does that make sense? Like, success is about being on an upward trajectory. And my question to you would be, in the level of your life where you say, God, I really want to level up, I would say, what trajectory are you on? Are you moving in a forward, upward direction? Or are you backsliding and moving backwards 
in that area of your life. So, so it's not an event. It's not a, mo- it's not a place in time. Here, here's another one that, that, that kind of goes along with it, that success is in the future. This is a big misconception. As a matter of fact, let me, let me encourage you real quick here. You are being successful right now. And I know that because you're at church on Sunday morning. It's the best place that you could possibly be in your life right now. There's no better place than you can be than giving God the first day of your week and the first Sunday of the year and saying, God, I want to be, I want to be in your presence amongst your people, hearing your words. God, that's where I want to be. Here's, here's what you need to know about success. That it's not in the future. Success is right now, depending on your daily attitudes and your daily actions. Did you know that? This is why we said success is a trajectory. Meaning like this, I don't want you to be successful one day. Here's the reality. If you put enough successful days in a row, you're going to eventually get on that trajectory and you're going to be leveling up in life. Does that make sense? Like you can be a success today based on your daily attitudes and your daily actions. Like what are you doing today? And if you string enough of those todays, those successful days together, you are on an upward trajectory and you're moving forward in life. That's where God really, really wants you to be. Here's another one. Number five, it says this, opportunity. Opportunity. If I could just get that one big break, people that do this and buy into this sit around. And they wait, and they sit, and they wait, and they sit, and they wait. Let me help you out quick here. Opportunity does not equal success. As a matter of fact, some of the best people in the world knew that there were opportunities, and they seized on them. And that's what made them success. It wasn't the opportunity. It was the fact that they seized on the opportunity. And I'll prove it to you. How many of you know who the person was who had the idea to put a computer into everybody's home and on everybody's desk? Who had the idea to do that? We have no idea who had that idea. We have no idea. You ever met that guy who always saw the greatest opportunities? Like, you know, somebody would be like a lot of money if they could go do this. Or somebody would have a lot if they could go do this. And I always see opportunities. Like, like the opportunity. No, no, no. Seizing opportunity is what matters, not seeing it. Seizing opportunity is what matters. But, but even then, I'm telling you that if you've missed the foundation, which is where we're going today, if you missed the foundation of success, you might see a great opportunity that's great for somebody else. You jump all over it. You work hard at it. And then at the end of your life, you're going to look back and say, wow, I missed the mark because I didn't start at the right place, which is, again, the foundation of success. We'll get there in just a second. Number six is this. Success hinges on a relationship. How many of you do that sometimes? Ever, ever do that before you envy? God, if I just knew them. If I could just be in with so-and-so. Some of us, we do this the opposite way. What we do is we look at other successful people and we resent them. And we look at them and say, you know what? The only reason they got there was because of who they knew. The only reason they got there in that position, the only reason they make that much money or got that job title is because of who their dad was or who their uncle was or who they knew in the company or whoever, whatever. And if I knew those people, if I had that relationship, if I was born in that family, and it doesn't. It has nothing to do with the relationship. Now, now don't, get me, don't get me wrong. Relationships are incredibly important. If you read the Bible, you can't escape the idea that God says value people and value your relationship with them. But if you think that your success hinges on that type of person, knowing that person, you're going to eventually miss the mark. Last one, and we'll, we'll kind of wrap up here with this. Success is the opposite of failure. Some people do this. This is the guy in the parable, isn't it? The third guy, he had one talent, one bag of gold. He just thought, man, I just don't want to screw this up. I don't want to fail at this thing. So you know what I'm going to do? I, I, that way, I, if, because if I risk it and I lose it all, I'll look really, really stupid. 
So at least I won't lose the one that God gave me. I'll bury it. And then God came back or the master came back and said, what? You wicked and lazy. So, so some of us do that. We are so afraid. Some of us are so afraid of failing or God forbid being seen as a failure. And because we don't want to be seen as a failure, we, we just like it will devastate our heart and our emotion, our self-esteem. And we're just so we. We hold back. And we think if I just don't fail. Maybe that will be good enough. And then believe it or not, what, what the master basically tells the guy is like, hey, man, at least do something. At least try. Faith requires risk. And without risk, there is no need of faith. Without fear, there is no need of courage. Like, you need to go. But some of us, we sit back and we just, listen, the, some of the most successful people in life that we think about were, were kind of known as failures. Thomas Edison Known as a failure till he broke through. Like Edison, the Wright brothers, failures. You know how many planes they tore up and broke and smashed? How many times they fell? Failures. Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, 16th president. Failure. Failed at most everything he did in life. But bless God, what they were known for was trying and risking and moving forward. Fearlessly trying to do what they think God had put them on earth to do. The success is not the opposite of failure. If you're just sitting back trying not to screw it up and make a mistake and make a mess, I'm telling you by living in that kind of a fear, you're going to miss what God actually has in store for you. So here's the deal. And again, we're just laying a foundation this week to build upon. I'm going to tell you what success really is according to Scripture. When I read the Bible and I see what success is, it really hinges on this, is that success is the fulfillment of God's plan for my life. That's where success begins. Because if you don't dial into that, you might be smart and you might work really, really hard. And you might have great opportunity and have great relationships and great connections. But if you don't have this, what you're going to do is you're going to climb a ladder only to discover that it was leaning against the wrong building. That you're going to follow a rainbow to a pot of gold only to end up in the wrong destination of life. That what we have to start with before we do anything is ask a simple question. God, what is your plan for my life? Because if I'm really smart and I really work hard and I'm creative and I make all the right moves at the wrong thing, I will get to the end of my life and you will look at it and say, well, you did that, but I actually asked you to do this. Imagine God is like a master craftsman and, and, and a woodworker and he builds the most awesome chair. Not like the one you're sitting in, way more comfortable, way cooler looking. Maybe it has a cup holder, I don't know. It's an awesome chair. Then God has designed that thing to do what? To be a chair. To fulfill its purpose, someone must sit in that chair successfully, and that chair must successfully hold somebody's posterior area. And, and that chair has not achieved success until... Right? It has fulfilled the purpose for which it has been designed. But what if the chair was like, no, that's not cool. I don't want to be a chair. That's lame. People sit on me. I want to be like, I want to be a work table. God's like, I didn't make you to be a work table. You'd be lame at that anyway. Don't, don't do that. But I, what, if, what if the chair fought the master craftsman? And said, well, I I could be really good at being this, or I could be really good at being that, or I could go do something else with all my wood and all my parts. And God would say, but that's not what I made you for. 
How many know as a master craftsman you would be upset with the chair that talked back to you? That chair would get up on your nerves. You might use that chair for firewood later. Are you seeing it now? Here's, this is so simple. Is we begin with this idea of, of purpose. That is where we always have to begin. If we ever want to level up in life, we have to begin with this idea called purpose. Like, like how many out there are dads? Raise your hand up if you're dad. How many of you are husbands? How many wives? Moms? Students? Employees? People? Okay, good. I knew I'd get everybody eventually. What you, what you have to do is say this. You have to recognize that, okay, as a dad, I need to ask the question, like, what's next? What do I need to do to be the best dad, the most godly dad, the most Christ-like dad? What does God want me to do in the area of my parenting and my fatherhood or my motherhood? What, what do I, as a student, what do I need to do? What's next? God, what, what do you have for me next? What, where do you want me to go? What school, what, what, uh, what area of academics, what, what job do you want me to take? God, do you want me to take that move? And don't get me wrong, I mean, the, the, the will and the purpose of God is, is, is one of the more confusing things in church. I think people make it confusing. It's not. I'm telling you what, you just start walking towards God and you keep asking those questions and God, this is what the Bible says, acknowledge him in all your ways and he will guide your steps. So you just start moving towards God and you keep asking these questions. You, What's next, God? What would you have me do? How can I be a better husband? How can I be a better wife? God, what do you want to work out in me as a human being, as a person? What fears, what insecurities? How can I move on from my past and level up into my future? And we're going we're to find out, God, what would you have me do? Isn't that the question that follows with purpose? This is the question that we, we have to build our success off. Did I do what God said to do? Like the master gave him the gold, said, I want you to go work it. He didn't even give him specific details, but they at least had a, a general purpose. That they knew they had a job to do. They knew they had a task to do. But if they decided to go, but I want to be a painter. Well, I didn't ask you to paint. I asked you to take the gold and go work the gold and go make more. Like they... Do what I ask you to do. There, now, there's an unseen element in this, too. And I, hope, I hope you get this. This is so critical. Because some of you have asked this question. Some of you are right now in the middle of what God has asked you to do. Some of you dialed in your talents, your abilities, all the things that God gifted you with, and you're doing exactly what God would have you to do. But there's a, different, there's a secondary question that comes to this idea of, of if success is fulfilling God's plan for my life, know that there's not only just a, a purpose arena, but there's this thing called morals. Meaning that God just doesn't want you to do a thing. That The question would be, did I do it how God said to do it? Meaning like, yeah, there's a personal will that God creates for your life. There's a personal blueprint and plan. But there's also, God has a moral will for your life, and it's laid out through the Scripture. Meaning this, like you could be right slap dab in the middle of what God has called you to do, but you could be doing it immorally and unethically. Like you could be on God's path, but yet you keep straying and messing up because you keep abandoning the ways of God. There's people that I know in life that that, they are like this. They have. They've dialed in their talents, their gifts, their abilities. They're doing good things. I, I think they're doing what God wants them to do with their life in terms of purpose and meaning. And yet, in the midst of their purpose and meaning, they neglect the ways of God. They neglect the laws of God. Let me put it to you like this. 
Some of you could be right in the, in the business that God wants you to be in, but because you're going about trying to succeed in an unethical way, God would deem you as a failure. Not because you mispurposed, but because you missed his moral will for your life. Are you, are you flowing with me so far here? And so we ask the question and we always begin with the question, God, what would you have me do? What, what's next? What is, what is your plan? What is your purpose for my life? Because without that, you're going to miss everything. But even if you dial that in, if you miss this, you'll maybe have gotten to where God wanted you to go. But you'll have gotten there the wrong way and God would still deem you unsuccessful. The challenge that we're all left with today. As we start out on this journey to level up in life. Because I don't know about you. I, I want to level up. And I think you're like me. I think that you want to be in a better place this year than you were last year. Is that fair to say? If I know you like I know me, you want 2015 to go up a notch. Even if it was great. I mean, don't get me wrong. 2014 was great. I love 2014. I wanted 2015 to be better. I want to move forward financially. I want to move forward in my relationship with God. Like, I want to know God more. I, I, I want to move forward in my marriage. My marriage is fantastic. I love my wife. I can't believe she puts up with me. She's amazing. But I want it to be even better. Like, I love my kids. I got a little rug rat right there on the front row. He's fantastic. I love him so much. I want, I want to be even a better dad this year than I was last year. And so I have to constantly be asking myself the question, God, what would you have me do? What's your purpose for my life? How can I be the dad, the husband, the pastor, the person that you would have me be? How can I level up? How can I excel, expand, be more abundant, be more successful, be more prosperous? Because that's what God wants for me. God wants me on an upward trajectory. So I ask the question, God, what would you have me do? And then the second question is, God, how should I go about doing it so that I may do it in your ways? Last scripture, and we're closing with this. I'll leave you with this idea. Paul gives this just kind of really cool deal. He, he sets it up, and I don't have time to read all of it, but he, he talks about his life and his ministry and where he's come from. and he talks about leaving the past behind him, pressing forward to the future. Listen to what he says here. Philippians 3.12. Not that I have already attained... Meaning I haven't gotten to the ultimate level. Like I haven't like finished out. I haven't peaked out. I'm not at the ultimate level. I'm not perfect. But here's what I do. I press on. Like I move forward. And listen to what he says here. That I may lay hold of that. Everybody say that. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. What a, what a beautiful picture. What an incredible concept. Like I want you to know this. Jesus has laid hold of you. So that you may lay hold of that. Now I don't know what your that is. I kind of think I know what my that is. And I'm working on that. That. And I'm pressing on with that. I'm leaving the past behind me. So that I may press on. So that I may lay hold of that. For which Jesus has laid hold of me. I want you to know that God loves you dearly. That God wants to be actively involved in your life. God wants you to surrender your entire life to Him and trust Him completely with every aspect, every arena of your life. And then as you do so, that God wants to begin to level you up and do some incredible things in your life. But know this, that God has laid hold of you. Not just so that He could get you to heaven. What a boring mission. What a lame vision. Do you think God just saved you so that you could go to heaven one day? If that were really God's mission, God should just... God should kill you now. 
get you on out of here. The purpose of life is not for you to get to heaven. The purpose of life is for you to get heaven to earth. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, I want you to pray that you get heaven to earth so earth can be like it is in heaven. So like the way that you're going to accomplish that is I need every person to ask themselves that divine question. God, what would you have me do? What is my purpose? What's next? What's your plan for my life? And how should I go about doing it? Because when we begin to ask those questions, we begin to lay hold of that. Everybody say that. We begin to lay hold of that for which Jesus has laid hold of us. What's your that? I don't know. It's, it's a little different for everybody. It's, it's, not, it's not always complicated. Like as a father, I can tell you what some of your that's are. Like as a husband, I can tell you what some of your that's are. The Bible teaches us what a lot of those that's are. But when it dials into that personal will, sometimes it gets, it gets into those things where we have to really use the Scripture. We have to really pray. We really have to hear the Holy Spirit and be guided by the Holy Spirit and get dialed. Because some of those questions you can't answer, right? Like, do I go to that university or that university? There's no Scripture for that. At some point, you're going to have to be Bible-grounded but Spirit-led. You're going to have to pray and have God give you peace and give you guidance and give you direction, give you a little unction. I mean, all those things. And God has a unique way of bringing those things together. The question is this. What is your that? Because until we discover that, we might work really, really hard. We might even make a lot of money. But we will maybe have done it in the wrong way, or maybe we'll have missed what the, the purpose and plan of God was to begin with. What is your that? And as we discover that, we're going to build. And next week, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get back in here next week. Because what we're going to see is as we discover that, and once we discover that, once we hone into that, there's three things that kind of come together, three unique elements that then help us launch off of that to truly start becoming successful. Get in here because we want to talk about that next week. But for this week, what is the that? God, what is your plan for my life? What, what, what's next? Where do I need to level up? What is your purpose for me? And how should I go about doing it? Would you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you so much, God. We, we just pray that you speak to us this week, God. As we seek you, as we ask you those questions, God, as we get dialed in, God, as a wife, as a husband, as a mom, as a dad, as an employee, as a business owner, as a church member, as a as just a follower of Jesus, how do I level up? Where do I go next? What is your next step for me? What is your plan for my life, God? I don't know about you, but I want to be right in the middle of God's will, God's plan. I think that's where life is most abundant. I think that's where life is most joyous. I want to be right there. And so Holy Spirit, guide us. God, lead us. God, help us to know you, to connect to you, and be right in the middle of that for which you have laid hold of us. God, that is our prayer in Jesus' name. And if you're with me, give me a good gospel. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?